Good morning ladies and gentlemen it's 6th of March on a Saturday uh, and things are going pretty nice what about yours did you eat today that's a question you should ask yourself always always ask yourself did I eat today did I shower today did I masturbate today those are the questions you need to be asking yourself anywho what's going on in your world and today I want to talk about NFTs NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Uh, I have no fucking clue what they mean. So let, let me tell you why NFTs are trending all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden. These have been around since uh, 2013. Uh, they've been around since Bitcoin has been around. So it's an application of blockchain, just like Bitcoin. But... Uh, it's basically not fungible. What does that fancy word mean? Fungible. Okay. So fungibility is basically like uh, you find 10 rupees on the road. And then you find someone else giving you 10 rupees for the work you did. And usually we don't treat them the same way. When we find it on the road, we are like, hey, free 10 rupees. Am I right? I'm going to just get something for myself. But then if someone else gives it for you for the service you've rendered for them, you're like, hey, I got I to gotta save this. I got to put it in the bank. That's how we think. But the definition of money is that uh, it's a universal or it's an acceptable medium of uh, it's an acceptable medium of exchange. That's what it is. So it like the definition of money has fungibility built in. If there's 10 rupees on the road or if there's 10 rupees on the bank, you're supposed to treat it the same. But what are trending right now are called non-fungible tokens. And these non-fungible tokens use blockchain. So what's blockchain? What's blockchain? So let's say this is a ledger, okay? So what's a ledger? So a ledger is basically like, uh, so you just write down who owes you what money and what money is owed to you. So you say, okay, Naveen owes me five bucks. I owe Naveen 10 bucks. So you, you keep this ledger and uh, this can be any piece of information, all right? And how a blockchain works is that, uh, let's say there are five people in your network and it's only one way. Like once it's written, you can't strike it down. You can't strike it down. It's written, you can only append item to it. So you can just write more stuff in the bottom, but you can't consistently solve the problems to append this data. And then this is broken down in pieces and everybody has them. It's passed around. Uh, that's, that's the, you know, the layman understanding of blockchain. I, I am not an expert of blockchain, but this is my understanding of it just by binging some, a lot of YouTube videos. That I will say. So, Anywho, let's talk about non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens, like I said, are the exact opposite of money. So uh, the example they're going to be giving you around the internet is that, let's say uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted one more Mona Lisa. And you are sure that the second Mona Lisa is uh, probably not the same as the first Mona Lisa. Even if the same guy... Uh, you know, uh, the same guy painted it. Why is that? Because 
don't know, art is unique and all that crap. But uh, so the way NFTs work is that you add uh, a non-fungible token inside it. I'm really ranting on this. And I, uh, let's say you, you make a painting on Photoshop and then you upload it online. You sell it to someone and he has the commercial rights to distribute it across his apps and websites and services. But with the non-fungible token, your artwork is unique because they append this, this unique token to it and it's like you have a canvas and you are the only guy who painted it. It's like that. I don't know, don't look at me. Look at these people buying these paintings for $3 million. I'm not kidding, $3 million. This guy called, uh, and this is the reason this is trending. There's this guy called, uh, I don't know the guy's name, but he has this website called Beepo, and that that website made like three million over a weekend. And this guy has been making 3D art for a very long time. So this guy deserves this money. And I'm not saying anything against that. But this guy is also the reason that non-fungible tokens are uh, trending right now. Beepo artwork made 5,000 images captured over 13 years to go on sale in an auction house first. So yeah, you, you see these kind of images, these kind of 3D art, they, there are people who are bidding like so much money on these. And what's, what's making it unique is that they have these non-fungible tokens appended to them. So it's like everyone wants to get it radically from the creator and they're supporting the creator. And the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is about how Bitcoin, or rather, sorry, I mean, I confuse Bitcoin and blockchain when I'm talking, but I know they are not the same. So blockchain is the technology, Bitcoin is the application. You have to understand that 20, 30 years from now, blockchain is going to transform the way we exchange money. Money is not going to be money anymore. Yeah, let that sink in. And you know why, why this is fascinating to me? It's fascinating to me for one big reason. It's that uh, the other day, my grandpa couldn't understand what WhatsApp is and like how to make calls on WhatsApp. So I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing my phone, you know, I'm touching. Okay, you have touched this uh, to go to a call or you can touch this video camera icon to go to a video call. And, and the problem is our generation, like you and me, we grew up with comics. We grew up with a lot of graphic printing, but our grandparents did not, right? Because there were not a lot of graphic images when they were brought up. And the applications these days, they focus on icons because icons are easier for our generation to process, but it's not very easy for older people to understand them. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I project my uh, phone, phone screen to the TV. And I'm pointing every icon and I'm explaining what the icon means. So I'm showing him a video call icon. And then uh, I'm just telling him, oh, there's a video call icon because it, it looks like a video camera. And guess what? He had a brain freeze. So he had a brain freeze. I don't know, his brain just stopped working. He was like shivering. He's like, no, no, just turn it off. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. That's how people are. 
And it, it taught me two big lessons. It taught me two big lessons. One, irrespective of how big you think your intellectual capability is, there's going to be a time when you are going to be outdated as fuck. Your grandkids are going to be laughing at your intellectual capabilities. That's what's going to happen if you don't catch up with these things like blockchains. And this is the real fear of missing out. I'm not talking about the fear of missing out that Clubhouse uses to, you know, like capitalize on that FOMO effect to get more users to your platform. I'm not talking about that. Nobody's asking you to join Bitcoin. Lesser people get in. It's good for people who are already in. But you know what? It's going it's gonna to be a, a transition period and then it's going to be boom, outdated, 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 You're no longer relevant. Get the fuck out of here. That's how people are going to be treating you if you don't listen. Uh, so you should just look up what blockchain is. I'm not trying to freak you out, but you should really, really look at what blockchain is because the, the applications are just endless. It's a very, very simple concept, which I tried to explain using this and like I probably failed. I don't know, but you should really look it up. The applications are endless. And I'm going to be irrelevant one day when my grandson is going to teach me how a flying car works in 2060, 2080. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, what's happening? What's going on? Are you crazy? Well, yeah, that's going to happen. That's, that's inevitable, bros. That's inevitable. Well, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about U.S. Treasury bonds fucking up the stock market. I mean, Sensex fucking crashed Friday. I mean, it's not a crash, but it fucking sucked. The bears were winning. The chart is just going down. I don't know how down it was. Okay, 5 March. Um, it's around, I don't know, 400 points down. Fucking sucks. And... There are people outside who are saying, oh, why are you so obsessed about the U.S. stock market? Am I right? Yeah, I'm Indian. But look at every single financial crash in the U.S. It has fucked up every other economy along with it. There are a lot of reasons for it. One, everybody lends money to the U.S., because they think they're trustworthy, they're going to give back the money, and then they give it to them, and then they fuck up the money, and then we don't get it back. That's what happened in the 2008 financial crisis. That's exactly what happened. And it's going to continue to happen. The U.S. is like that. You know, there are, there are people, uh, you, you have a bunch of friends, and... Uh, you know, they're always like, uh, if I'm going down, I'm taking you down with me. If we get caught, then you better get caught too. There are people who talk like that. I know a lot of people like that. You know, like, if you guys do a crime together, and then if they get caught, they're like, hey, I'm pulling everybody down with me. The U.S. is like that. And I'm thinking... U.S. Treasury bonds. Let's see the graph. Yield curve. For the people who don't know, yield curve is uh, 
is very important. Uh, so the ear curve is basically like this. Uh, there are depth instruments that bet on the US Treasury bonds. And uh, so it's basically how much money you're going to be baking back uh, if you give money to the US government in the form of Treasury bond bills. And then they take a spread between the three month interest and the 10 year interest. And it's supposed to be like the 10 year interest is supposed to be more than the three month interest. So it looks like uh, it's like, it looks like a hill, like a normal positive yield looks like a hill. Uh, it's low in the starting and then it's go it goes high towards the end. And this is because uh, it deserves to be, right? Because you're giving money for a longer period of time and you are taking a bigger risk. So they deserve to have the money. It's as simple as that. So what happens is that sometimes this yield curve starts to invert, right? Because people don't believe in that bond anymore and they don't want to invest. And then the graph starts to reflect. So it's, it's pretty basic, but what's happening right now is that the 10-year interest rates are shooting up, which means that people are, are scared that the market is going to crash. So they are going to pull out their money from the uh, stock market and they're going to put it up on the bond market or whatever. And like that's really fucking up all the markets around the world. That's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening right now. And, uh, and then there are a couple of people like CNBC who would like to say that, you know, this is, this is not uh, a very good measure anymore because the yield curve has successfully predicted a lot of recessions. But their opposition is that, uh, you know, earlier days no one was caring about it, but then now we have algorithms that put this into this as a factor and then it automatically sells when the yield curve doesn't reflect well i don't believe it uh, i think we are heading towards a stock market crash because if you see the number of people who invested in 2020 uh you mean a lot of people who were in the id field they were pretty much not at all affected by the coronavirus it's as simple as that and they took all their money and they put it in the stock market. And then there was the meme stock rally. Everybody was putting all their money in stocks. And then this guy, uh, the guy who predicted uh, the 2008 financial crash, uh, he also plays in that movie, The Big Short. What is his name? Uh, I don't know. Let me just... Let me just search him up. Um, Mike Boring, sorry. Yeah. And that guy thinks that we are heading towards a recession, if I'm right. Let me, let me find that out if I could. The 2021 stock market crash. Is this the beginning? Inflation is coming. I mean, inflation, it's like, Man, I don't even want to talk about inflation. It's fucking us up. 
It's basically saying that, oh, you can earn money, but then that money is not going to hold its value because of the place you live in. Like, is that even fair? Inflation is like, the CPI is negative for Japan, which is also bad because then you don't have businesses thriving and they're not going to pay taxes. Think about it. Economics is a funny field indeed. Um, so what is this guy saying? I'm trying to understand what he's saying. Learning finance on YouTube. Um, almost all of my gains have been wiped out. It's, it takes time and patience to go up, but it's so easy and fast when you go down. This shit is hurting. I'm not able to find that source or maybe it's just clickbait. But I, I believe this, that more people are betting on the stock markets than before, including me. I mean, I've been looking at the stock market for the past three years. I don't know, like I haven't invested so much before the 2020 crash because it, it was a no brainer, right? 2020 crash was like one of the, uh, one of the very few recessions brought uh, by the pandemic. Um, so it was a no-brainer to invest. From now on, uh, I even saw a ED Now interview where this guy was like, market is going to be much more volatile now, and which makes sense, which makes sense, which makes total sense. Anyway, let's see. I, I think the markets are going to go up back on Monday. That's what I heard in a lot of these Telegram groups. <laughs> let's see. Uh, telegram groups... Uh, I certainly think that these Telegram groups are going to get fucked. Uh, because if you see the amount of people that do these trading calls, Telegram groups, is so damn high. You have to pay them 5K, 10K, 2K, and then they'll give you premium calls uh, to invest in the stock market. People, if you're watching this, please don't do that. It's a waste of your money. And they may be right for the first few times. And then boom, gone. All your money gone, including the principal. God, you could have just put that in a fixed deposit and you could have gone home with much more money, including the principal. And these people will fuck up your principal. They will take your underwear and they'll let you roam naked on the streets. That's all they make you do. Anywho, I'm just kidding, but... Yeah, that's going to happen. If you just keep investing on stocks based on these Telegram groups, you're going to get fucked. It's as simple as that. But we're talking too much about the stock market, so I don't even know uh, what's happening. <clears throat> Maybe that's just my goal. Like, I've been caught up in this whole thing. I don't know how to get up. I don't know how to get out. It's like... Everywhere I go, Reddit, WhatsApp, Telegram, YouTube, everywhere I go, stock, 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 stock. Everybody's talking about stock. Why? Why can't people just live the way they lived before? Or maybe it's just my circle. I don't know. A multi-law Oswald, NASDAQ, 100 fund, a fund growth direct plan. So the easiest and cheapest way for any Indian to directly put money in American markets uh, NYSE, New York Stock Exchange, or NASDAQ is through this mutual fund. 
The expense ratio is the lowest in this fund. And since it's newly launched index fund, I expect triple digit returns within two to three years. Uh, this is from the Lal Street Bets Reddit channel. And my mom is like, let's get an insurance plan. Uh, mom, really? Do I need insurance? I mean, everyone needs insurance. Uh, I get medical insurance from my company. She is like, put life insurance. And my brother is like, unit-linked LIC policies are great. But then anything else is just insurance. It's not an investment. And I think a lot of Indians just see uh, these insurance schemes as investments. But I don't know. Okay, so this is the guy I was talking about earlier. Mike Winkleman. This is the guy who made all that money using NFTs. And I'm still divided on Bitcoin. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to invest a lot. Because here's what. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the Indian government. You know, you know what they did? They said that uh, they don't want, they're going to ban all private uh, blockchain networks, including Bitcoin. And how the fuck is Bitcoin private? It's fucking open source, people. You know, sometimes I think that the government is actually trying to look dumb, but then like they're actually very brilliant and they just want to see dumb, like look dumb outside. And then they secretly have a lot of money invested in these technologies. I think so too. I think the day that marijuana is going to be legal in India, and trust me, this is going to happen. This is inevitable. You, know, you should know the history of marijuana, how it got banned in India. It was always a part of our history. And then uh, there was this uh, racist U.S. guy who decided to ban it because a lot of Mexicans smoke marijuana. And then there was Nixon who fucked it up for the rest of the world with his war on drugs campaign. And that's how India came striking down. Striking down 1985. That's when it became illegal. But now During the uh, Biden Trump elections, you know what they're gonna make it legal on a federal level Like in the US right now, it's legal on a lot of states for recreational use a lot of states only medical marijuana is legal uh, Let me just look that up marijuana map US Okay, so 59.3% of the U.S. population now lives in a state where marijuana has been legalized. Uh, yeah, so there are states like with uh, just medical marijuana that's legal. And then there are states like Cali where uh, everything is legal, basically. You can also grow the plant. But then they have restrictions on how many plants you can grow. So I don't know. But the point I'm trying to make is that they're going to they're gonna make a whole new market. And I totally believe this. Is that if marijuana becomes legal, there's a very high chance that the alcohol companies, like let's say United Spirits in India, for example, they're going to get fucked. They're going to get fucked. They're definitely going to get fucked. Their profits are going to go down. So... If, if a big lobbyist corporation wants to take over and make marijuana legal, there's no stopping us. There's no stopping us. 
our values suddenly start to change. And isn't that funny about governments? They suddenly say, oh, this is so bad for society. Let's abolish it. And then a guy with a lot of money comes in and he's like, yo, you can actually make a lot of money through this. And they're like, hey, let's do it. And then they're like, I bet that when marijuana becomes legal in India, there are going to be people who say, oh, this has always been a part of our tradition. This has always been a part of our culture. But where were you, these politicians, where were they when it was legal, illegal all these years, right? So if Reliance wants to take marijuana illegal and they want to distribute the plant, it's going to be legal. There is no back talk then. Am I clear? There is no back talk then. But, yeah, first U.S. has to make it legal on a federal level. And this, was f this will follow. This will follow. I bet you. Uh, 2000, 2040. 2040. That's what I have in my brain. 2040, I bet that marijuana is going to be legal in India. I bet. I bet. So, we've been talking a lot about marijuana, NFTs, Bitcoin, blockchain, and there is no getting out of these topics. It's just a rabbit hole of thinking of these, then coming back to think about these, and then talking about these, and then thinking about it from a different perspective. I lacked that for a very long time. Thinking about things in a very different perspective from scratch. I bet a lot of people don't do that. You and I can debate on any topic. You and I can debate about Android versus iOS, right? And the brain, the human brain, is fucking lazy. It's lazy. It's not optimized for the modern world. We have information overload, and it doesn't know how to think when there's so much information to process. So you know what it does? It goes on autopilot. It goes on autopilot. So every time, think of this, every time you're going to be arguing about something, there's a very high chance that you are just going to borrow stuff from the previous conversation. You know what I'm saying? You're just in that rabbit hole of thinking. And I actually realized this when I was programming. Because you want to solve a problem, but you want a new perspective. And it's very hard to do that when you're in the same room interacting with the same people. It's not going to be possible. And that's why I love traveling because it's, it's going to give you a new perspective because you're going to meet new people with extremely new virtues, with extremely different properties who can live exactly opposite to you and they are still contributing to human civilization. That's, that's what's happening. And, and I think we all need that. I think we should step down sometimes and think about solving the problem in a very different way. I mean, t take the vegan thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of arguments around veganism. And here's my stance. Here's my stance. My definition of my moral compass has always been, uh, I differentiate right and wrong but just one basic question. Is it affecting other people? As simple as that. If it's not going to affect someone else, it's okay. It's okay. You can do it. 
if it is gonna affect someone else, you're not gonna do it, right? So you'd, you'd probably argue saying that, hey, then what about doing drugs? Doesn't, uh, it doesn't affect someone else. No, it does, it does. Here's how it does, because you have these people thinking that you are gonna be something and you don't wanna let them down and they actually love you, but then you are gonna let them down. By doing drugs, not doing anything, not being productive, not giving anything back to society. And you would think, how does this affect other people? Uh, and uh, it's very important to not think about what other people think of you. But think about your purpose. I mean, if you want to battle about, argue about how uh, and how we contribute to society, we can go on for hours. But you should know any invention that you're using right now in your room was not contributed to by one single person. It's civilizations and a bunch of humans that progressed in one direction, right? You invent the first light bulb and then you invent, you invent electricity and then you invent the first light bulb. So there is a guy who devoted his entire life to finding the light bulb. But then if another guy hadn't devoted his entire life to finding electricity, then this guy would have been pointless. And that's how humans evolve. Civilizations evolve by group efforts, not by single efforts. Even if you devote your entire life to it. And I'm talking your entire life. 20 to 100, you know I'm saying? 20 to 100, if you're gonna live to 100. Coming back to the vegan thing, I always thought, if it's not gonna affect someone else, then it's good, you should probably do it. But my definition of someone else was another human and not another animal. So this comes to a very tricky moral dilemma. You know what I'm saying? So, but then the reason we are talking about this is not to debate veganism. It's about how you look at the problem. You look at the problem saying that people who want to consume meat have to kill animals. And you have a problem with killing animals not the people who want to eat meat. So how do you solve the problem? You make synthetic meat, which tastes just as good. You know Impossible Burgers? Impossible Burgers in the US, that's how they work. And this is gonna hit the U Indian market in 2000, 2025, and it's gonna go viral. I'm hoping. Or there are gonna be a bunch of people who will lobby this all the way. And I'm sure by the time we reach a long time from now, I'm not sure, 100, 200 years down the lane, it's going to be illegal, illegal to slaughter meat. And that's, that can happen only when the companies who are currently making money by slaughtering meat get into that business. Our morality is going to change along with economics. <laughs> as simple as that. Our moral compass is a joke. 100 years ago, we were something else. 100 years from now, we are going to be something else. And... It's just gonna change along the way. So you solve problems by breaking them down and looking at them from a different perspective. The problem with vegans is that they thought they could solve the problem by looking at the other end of the curve, looking at the consumption curve, and they said, hey, let's stop these humans who wanna eat meat. And that turns into a political issue. But you know how a clever guy solves it. They go to the other end of the spectrum. 
They make synthetic meat and they're like, hey, this is just as good. And you get incentive for doing it. You feel good that you're protecting the environment. And people will comply. And there are people who are going to be making fun of synthetic meat in the beginning. That's in the beginning. But over the time, people are going to get used to it. That's what's going to happen. You know, people used to make fun of automatic vehicles, just like the way they make fun of electric vehicles right now. But then we are moving towards a world where the Mustang is automatic. <laughs> so our morality is just fueled by economy and time. It's not constant. So just don't get so involved up in it. I guess that's it. I guess that sums it up for this week's episode of my podcast. It's currently 10.56 a.m. I got a bunch of shit to do. I have some stuff to edit. And then I have a website to launch. Yeah, it was great talking to you people. Have a great productive weekend. Goodbye. Goodbye.